Uh, the Christian faith is a global religion. It is not a Western or a white religion. And so as someone who is Taiwanese, I actually am offended, <laughs> you know, if people think that Christians are white supremacists or that Christianity is a Western religion. Because to me, it's a global religion. And I'm a Taiwanese. It's my religion. And it's a religion of many people in, in the non-West. And um, out of the six largest mission-sending nations in the world right now, five of them are non-Western countries. The Mission Matters Podcast is a partnership between 1615 and Missio Nexus, who have a shared passion to mobilize the people of God to be a part of His mission. Well, hello and welcome to the Mission Matters Podcast. I am Matthew Ellison. And of course, if you tune in regularly, you know what I'm going to say right now. I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Ted Esler. Ted, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing well, Matthew, and you should know that somebody recently texted me and asked me, when's the next time you're going to swing swords with Matthew? So that phrase is now becoming your phrase. Uh, so just know that. Wow, that's great to hear. Um, I, I just love the imagery of, of God's people, shoulder to shoulder, sword in one hand, trowel in the other. It's just such a great picture. I have to tell you something related to this too. Um, someone recently approached me and they said, hey, love the podcast, Matthew Ellison. And, and he, they said immediately after, and your good friend, Ted Esler, co-host. So those other <laughs> phrases are sticking too. It, that's how he you know, introduced me, so to speak. So it's good stuff. Well, we are here today for a special episode of The Mission Matters, and we have a mutual friend of both Ted and I on the, the podcast today, Mary Ho. She is the International Executive Director of All Nations, and we've got a heavy topic to talk about today, an important one for the Great Commission community. And Mary, we just want to thank you for joining us today. It's wonderful to be here with you. And Matthew, I've never seen you with an actual sword, though. Well... <laughs> I got my Bible. You always see me with my Bible. So I do have the sword of the spirit, okay. right? Yeah. It's wonderful to be with you and Ted. Well, it was great. We were together, actually. Uh, this is being recorded about 10, 15 days after the annual Mission Leaders Conference that uh, Missio Nexus holds. So we were together there, and uh, that was some sweet fellowship, too. And the topic there is actually what is bringing us together for this call as well. Uh, before uh, I don't know, I guess it was about five days before the conference, I got an email from Mary <clears throat> explaining a situation that has developed and asking me to be aware. So I thought, what a great opportunity for us to have her come and present to our uh, conference. And now we want to bring some of that same information to the broader community, to the podcast. So that's what we're here to talk about today. So, Mary, I think before we can address um, the subject matter that Ted surfaced, it's important for our audience to know a little bit about John Allen Chow. Now, for those of us in the Great Commission community, that's probably a familiar name, but I was surprised as this issue has surfaced, as I've talked to people about it, they're like, I don't remember that. And these are people in the Great Commission community. So it's possible that people have not heard his name. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about who he is, his relationship to all nations, 
And I know for you, Mary, we've had many conversations. He was not an, just an associate. He was a dear friend. And so maybe you could just tell us a little bit about John and his relationship with the organization. We're here to talk about um, a movie that is going to be launched in the theaters uh, this week. And it's called The Mission, and it's going to be shown in select AMC theaters around the country at film festivals. Then it's going to go international and um, it's produced by Disney Plus and National Geographic. And so it will be, uh, yeah, it will be shown by Disney Plus around the world. So the film, The Mission, that is um, launching the theaters this week, it's about the life and legacy of a young man called John Allen Chow. And John Allen Chow um, was a missionary that was trained and sent by my organization, All Nations. And he, he was a young man who, since the age of 18, uh, felt that God called him to take the love of Jesus Christ the good news of Jesus Christ to an unreached people group called the North Sentinelese. And uh, the North Sentinelese, um, they are unreached people group, but they're also basically an uncontacted hmm. people group on the Andaman Islands. And um, so for most of modern history, they have not come in contact with the rest of the world. And John really felt like the Lord has called him to take the gospel there. And so since he was 18, he spent the la um, the next uh, nine years preparing, you know. Um, so he, uh, he tr got trained as a wilderness ENT. He majored in sports science, uh, medicine, sports medicine, so that he can appropriately take you know, healthcare um, to to these people. He got trained in linguistics from SIL, which trains um, Bible translators. Uh, but I remember um, talking to him on the phone uh, for a couple of years before he came to get trained by us. And, you know, this is a young man who works um, in in like national parks as a park ranger. He climbs mountains, he swims, uh, you know, in lakes. And so when I finally got to meet him, I thought, I'm sure Rambo is going to walk in, you know? But when he walked in, he is this slight young man with, uh, he's very soft-spoken. He has a very gentle demeanor. He is not the life of the party. Um, he's half uh, Chinese, so he's actually somewhat slightly built. And he would just sit there with a sweet smile on his face. And that is a John Chow I know. He is somewhat quiet. He's very personable and with a humble demeanor. And the children love him. And, and so for us, that's John, our friend. Oh. And... Uh, yeah, a very focused young man who prepared for nine years to go. And um, the John we know is also, um, when we go out for an outing, he would, he would always offer to, hey, 
Like if he sees one of the gals with a heavy backpack, he'll be like, hey, can I carry that for you? Um, he's, he's, he was a very, very helpful young man and the children love him. That's the other thing, you know? Uh, so when he did pass away, um, the children were very sad, but he w went to the North Sentinelese and um, on November 17th, 2018, uh, he was reportedly killed uh, by bow and arrow, uh, trying to share Jesus with the North Sentinelese. You know, Mary, one of the things that strikes me, just so many things rush through my mind, but, you know, in our culture today, there's so much talk about the crisis of young men that have no objectives or goals in life, that are not sure who they are, what they're going to do. This guy seems like he's cut from a completely different mold or piece of cloth. I mean, he just, for so long, he, prepared, he prepped and it just kind of had this vision. Yes. So he was definitely extremely focused. Um, he trained physically. Um, I know uh, sometimes he's portrayed as an adventurer, but he actually deliberately trained physically so that he would be fit for the task. He was a young man of prayer. Again, I think he was training himself spiritually. He went on many um, mission trips to places like Iraq and Israel. Again, he was preparing himself. Um, we recommended many, many uh, cultural anthropological books to read. Again, he was trying to prepare himself uh, culturally. So yes, he was a very uh, focused young man. The other thing he did that most people uh, don't know about is he consulted many people who have gone, gone to unreached people groups and pioneered work there. So for example, he spent many, many months dialoguing and emailing with Don Richardson, the author of uh, Peace Child, hmm. and they were able to meet and he, he really asked for their advice and their wisdom. And um, he, he consulted others who have gone to other people groups in the Andaman Islands and, um, and learned from them. So um, yes, very focused, but very meticulous in his preparation as well. You know, when he was martyred, one of the things that came out of the media, this blowback was he was completely ill-prepared. And so I know I started to interact with you at that point, Ted did as well and others, and found out that that was a false narrative, um, you know, almost a decade of one, one goal, one aim. Um, to be pursuing that, as you mentioned, spiritually, physically, all of those things. And I think that's important just for people to hear again, um, even as they might see the movie. Mary, something you shared at the Missio Nexus conference that I thought was really interesting is that though it was risky, um, through prayerful consideration, the board at All Nations said, we need to participate in this film as they were gathering information and interviews. And maybe you could talk about that a little bit, because again, given the producers of the film, you probably had an idea where it might be headed, um, but you felt compelled by the spirit of God to participate in that. So can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so we actually turned down 
uh, every offer to produce a movie about John's life. And the reason is because um, we do not feel this is the end of the story, right? Um, because the end of the story would be the North Sentinelese um, themselves experiencing the incredible love of Jesus Christ. And we didn't feel it's the end of the story yet. But when we knew that this, um, Disney Plus and National Geographic were about to make a major film about our worker and it's going to be widely disseminated, we really felt like uh, we need to speak up. Uh, we need to speak up, first of all, because of who John is, his, his legacy, his motivation, his preparation, his love for Jesus, his integrity. And secondly, we feel like we need to speak up um, about the Great Commission and, and should not remain silent. And so that was our main motivation, um, yeah, to speak up for the Great Commission and, and for John. So one thing that strikes me here, Mary, is uh, having read a couple depictions, negative critiques of John, uh, one of them calls him adventure blogger. We've kind of talked about that, the fact that he was a, he was preparing himself for quite a while. Another thing I, that I've, I've read in critique is this is this this type of missionary work is a form of white supremacy. I find it ironic that here we are talking with you, an Asian woman who leads a major mission, and John himself was an Asian American. <laughs> um, yet that critique, I think, is also out there. Does that come across in the film at all? I know you've had a chance to see the film. Is that a part of the narrative in the film? Um, I don't think it's a strong narrative. And um, those words have been used. Um, it's been swirling around this movie, but it's really not true. And, and as you said, um, John is actually half Chinese and he actually has other ethnicities in his blood. Um, and uh, in one of his journal entries, he lists all the different uh, ethnicities that's part of his uh, part of his makeup. I I also think this concept of white supremacy. I think it's obsolete. I think the whole concept of missions as colonialism is also obsolete. I think that missionaries in the past have made mistakes and therefore has earned some of that reputation. Mm -hmm. But do you know we're living in a time where 67% of all the Christians in the world are in Asia, then Africa, Latin America, and Oceania. Since 1981, there are more uh, non-Western Christians than they are Westerners. Yeah. The Christian faith is a global religion. It is not a Western or a white religion. And so as someone who is Taiwanese, I actually am offended, <laughs> you know, if people think that Christians are white supremacists or that Christianity is a Western religion because to me it's a global religion and I'm a Taiwanese, it's my religion. And it's a religion of many people in, in the non-West. And um, 
out of the six largest mission sending nation in the world right now, five of them are non-Western countries. They are Nigeria, it's Nigeria, China, South Korea, yes, America, but also Brazil and Philippines. Uh, the, so most of the largest sender of missions is not colonialist, you know, it's, it's actually people of every color and shade. Um, taking the gospel to the nations. You take Philippines, a lot of them are taking the gospel and um, they're serving as domestic workers, laborers, um, and they're going in humbly and gently. And that is the time we live in, is um, the gospel going from every nation to every nation and people going as servants of the Lord. Um, I'm about to send some African um, workers and they're being trained as baristas. They're going in to serve, to serve the people that they're going to share the gospel with. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, that was one of the false narratives uh, as well. Um, you know, that we hear so much about is this idea of missions being white colonialistic and I think, you know, Ted and I have mentioned it several times on this podcast, and we've even had Robert Woodbury as a guest, mm -hmm. but there was an extensive study done that shows yes. that that really is a false narrative. Um, and as you pointed out, Mary, have missionaries made mistakes without a doubt? Um, or have there been some bad actors, as Ted has said? Yes, there have been. But by and large, um, the good that has happened through these proselytizing, you know, Jesus-loving, culture-loving people has been incredible. You know, it, do, it doesn't send these cultures backwards. Um, it's a, in fact, it preserves the, that which is good within their culture. Um, so again, we want to reference that. We've referenced it a few times. If you haven't listened to that conversation that Ted and I had with Robert, it's worth looking at. Yeah. So you had a chance to see the movie. Yes. Uh, you walked out of that, I'm sure, with a lot of different thoughts. Uh, could yes. you tell us a little bit about that experience and, and what you uh, went through as you watched the film. Yeah, I I came out with kind of knotted emotions or conflicting emotions. Uh, one of the emotions I felt was um, that I was so proud of John. Uh, his integrity shines through in the movie, um, and um, his his focus, his discipline and how much the people who knew him love him. And so I did come out of it thinking, I feel, I'm very proud of him and I feel honored. I do feel really honored that we got to be part of his story, part of his training, part of uh, his calling. And I do consider it an honor. Um, there were things in the movie that made me feel sad. And of course I, I again am so grieved and sad for his for his family. The movie is told mainly through his dad's narrative, and so again, uh, you know, we're just um, very grieved uh, for the family and for friends. And I have two sons the same age. I can't imagine losing my son, and so I felt grieved. Um, the main mission voice um, that was a thread throughout this movie from beginning to the end 
was a former missionary who worked in the un, among an unreached people group, but he lost his faith and turned atheist hmm. and lost his marriage. And so, um, so I, I felt sad. I, you know, I did really feel sad, but I also uh, felt a bit indignant because uh, I know so many uh, incredible missionaries. You know so many incredible missionaries. And I wish um, they had, you know, chosen someone who, um, yeah, who can tell about um, Christ's wonderful transforming work among uh, unreached people group. Uh, so I, I wish they had picked another voice. I'm curious to know if they highlighted any interviews or had any time spent with people from cultures who've been recipients of missionaries. Uh, no, there was, um, there was, and there was some um, footages of the people group that this missionary worked amongst, um, but it was it, there was no testimonies of them receiving the gospel um so so for example they have uh footages of the end of the spear um nate saint and um yeah nate saint story uh but again they did not um they did not showcase the incredible impact mm -hmm. that um, the gospel brought to this people group um and how the kingdom brought peace and um yeah peace and love among this tribe that used to war a lot amongst each other i'd be curious too to know if they dealt at all with the idea or the concept that Groups like the Sentinelese are, uh, I mean, it's almost like they treat them like endangered animals without access to the healthcare mm -hmm. that we have, without so, so many of the technological advances that make mm -hmm. our lives so much better than what the lives were like for people for centuries that would could only dream of the standard of living we all have. Uh, do they at all deal with the idea that the way that these people are being viewed or treated by them would be, you know, very similar to how, let's say, an animal on a game reserve is being being treated? Well, I think one of the themes that do come through is that we need to leave them alone, mm -hmm. that they want to be alone and we should not um, interfere. Um, yeah, we should not bring interference from the outside. And so, um, yeah, there's some key phrases and even the interview with a former missionary turned atheist was, his advice was, we need to leave them alone. Mary, uh, maybe you could, you know, surface a couple of the themes. You, we've already hit a few of them, but just so people know what to expect, you know, when you and I talked, Miss mm -hmm. uh, Yo, I could tell you were very heavy hearted. In fact, we were gonna do a podcast recording about this and you there was just this weight on your shoulders i could tell and i you said I, i'll do it and i'm like no mary i can see in your eyes that this is a heavy thing and you said give me a few days let, let me sit on this and so um you talked about some of those elements like jesus being equated to zeus um i mean just some really crazy things santa claus um, the gospel being a first century myth 
disdain for the Great Commission. Maybe you could just alert our audience for some of these themes. Obviously, if they see it, they'll they'll recognize themselves. But I think it's important that we hit on some of those pieces just for awareness and also that people know what's coming. So one of the themes in the movie is that uh, we should not do the Great Commission. We should stop sharing the gospel, that the gospel is a first century myth. Hmm. Um, and that those who uh, undertake the Great Commission are colonialists. So those are some of the main themes. And that is why I do believe this movie doesn't just impact uh, all nations. It actually impacts the body of Christ. And um, we will have many, there will be many Christian friends and we will have non-Christian friends who will see this movie and so I believe that all of us need to have a ready answer. When someone comes out of the movie and says, so I guess Jesus is not real. Is Jesus like Zeus? Well, we as Christians, need to, we need to have a ready answer that our Jesus is the savior of the world and, and what he has done uh, for in our lives and what he can do for, for everyone. So, um, so I feel we need to have a ready answer about about Jesus, we need to have a ready answer about the Great Commission. And again, I feel like we need to go back to God's word. You see, the Great Commission is not your good idea. It is not my good idea. The Great Commission is mandated by Jesus Christ in the Gospels, right? To therefore go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups right? That the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the nations. It will be a testimony in all the nations, and then the end will come. Um, right from at the beginning um, in Genesis, that each one of us have been blessed to be a blessing to the nations. And we know the end of the story, Revelation 7, 9, that there'll be worshipers and lovers of Jesus Christ worshiping him around the throne of God. And so these are the truths we stand on. And as a body of Christ, we need to have it ready on our tongue. When people challenge us about the Great Commission, oh, you're just colonialists. Well, no, it, no, it is the mandate of Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelations. Well, I my background is Danish. So my people were the Vikings and they were at one time a bloodthirsty tribe. And I know there's been kind of a recent resurgence and renaissance of Viking religion yeah. in the United States and in Canada and in Western Europe. Uh, recently I was listening to a podcast, the history on the history yeah. of the Vikings. And we're talking about some very evil stuff here. So I could tell you as somebody who comes from a tribe that was reached, I'm grateful that missionaries reached out and impacted the mm -hmm. tribe that I am yeah. from. And uh, I would just hope that people don't come away from this, especially Christians, in any way thinking that the Great Commission is not to be obeyed because the commands of Christ are so clear. John 20, 21, Mark 16, 15, Luke 44, Matthew 28, 9, I mean, you could go on and on and on and just list verse after verse after verse after verse. Yeah. 
Do you really think that a film like this could have an impact inside the church when it comes to the Great Commission? I think it can make an impact if we don't know God's word. Again, right, we, we are God's people and we stand on his word. So, um, so that is why I, I think it's very important that as the body of Christ, as those who uh, represent the church, we need to be very clear about the, what the Bible says about the Great Commission. And um, whether we're having a good day or bad day, you know, um, whether we want to take the gospel to the nations or not. You know, today I may feel like I don't want to do that, but it doesn't matter. Jesus says to do it. And uh, so I think that churches need to be equipped and to go back to God's word and say, well, what did Jesus say? I was thinking, you know, some of the blowback from this uh, might be, you know, Christian parents, um, before we started the podcast that I mentioned my relationship with Roberts and McQuilkin, you know, great mission sage, really a missions prophet of our day. He's in heaven now. But he told me, he said, Matthew, this years ago, he said, one of the greatest obstacles to young Christian men and women getting to the field is Christian parents. Um, and, and I, you know, I don't say that lightly, as you pointed out, I mean, incredible sacrifices made by these families. And so not to minimize the weight of what that means. But I think potential, one of the outcomes is parents going, look, you know, this is what's going to happen. Have you seen that movie? And so, you know, Mayor, how do we prepare um, those young men and women or older men and women who are saying, I want to go to the field, but the pushback's not coming from outside the body, which it probably is, but it's coming from inside. I think all three of us are parents and, uh, we know that the Lord gave us our children. He entrusted us to raise them, but ultimately uh, we are stewards. And, um, and we are to give our children to the Lord, whatever calling God has for them. Um, I remember there was a time when uh, my son uh, had a major injury. We had to actually pull him out of college. Um, and I kept questioning the Lord, how could you, how could you, I, en I, I entrusted my son to you and uh, how could he, uh, you know, have suffered like this? And the Lord just said to me, I am, I am raising my son, not yours. You see, our children belong to the Lord. And I think that's very important for Christian parents. And um, of course, just like Abraham and Isaac, right? Um, so I think, again, we go back to God's word. Who do our children belong to? What is the calling on our children's life? Uh, maybe it is to be a doctor, which every Chinese parent want their children to be a doctor. But maybe the Lord has um, another calling and we need uh, to align with what the Lord wants, because ultimately our children are God's children before they are our children. Well said, Mary. Well said. We fit on a few ways that we should respond as the body of Christ. I mean, just in the midst of our conversation, these ideas have surfaced. How do we respond? 
um, maybe we can, you know, close by just all of us giving our, you know, a couple of thoughts on how should the Great Commission community and how should the church respond to this movie, you know, going out there. And again, Disney Plus has significant reach. So we are going to be hearing about this in the days to come. What are some final thoughts on how we should respond to this movie? You know, I would say, uh, I'm personally, I'm going to go watch the movie so I can be informed and understand the messages and be able to comprehend and deal with the ideas that are in the movie. So that'd be one thing. I don't think we need to have a spirit of fear here. I think we need to listen to the point of view and we need to respond intelligently that way. So that'd be one thing, as I would yeah. say, be informed. But but I would not ever look at a documentary like this. But let's face it, so many of these documentaries are simply propaganda that feel like real life. I would make sure to understand also the history of missions. I would read the true story of John Chow. You can find articles online about John about his preparation, about his national partners that he worked with, a whole host of things about John's ministry that I'm pretty sure the film is not going to touch on. Um, so th those would be a couple of things I think that we could do just right out of the gates. Just we need to get informed and we need to be yeah, aware of what this is all about. Mary, what are your thoughts about our response? A good article that's short but very balanced will be the article about John that's uh, written by Voice of the Martyrs. Um, there's also an article that's very well researched uh, by uh, Doug Clark in, in GQ magazine of all places, but that's actually a really good article. So yes, I would encourage people to actually uh, read about John's life. Uh, on our All Nations website, allnations.international, um, we have an uh, entire web page about his life. You can, you can find out more about who he is. And again, I think one way to be prepared is to go back to God's word. Um, I actually would encourage um, everyone to go watch the movie Christians because despite of everything, John's testimony actually shines through. Hmm. You know, and they have footages about Jim Elliot, Nate Saint, and those testimonies themselves are powerful. So that's why I say I came out with mixed emotions because you're also deeply touched um, by these men who lived all out for Jesus. Um, I would encourage people to, to also pray, um, you know, to pray for seekers, who are seeking spiritual truth. Uh, we're living in a, um, a, a world that's becoming more and more religious, actually, globally, and which is good because it shows that there's a spiritual hunger all over, but that those people who watch, that the Holy Spirit will be uh, stirring hunger and curiosity, like, who is this Jesus mm. that so many will live their lives for, for this, uh, for this man called Jesus? Yeah. So that's another way uh, to pray. And for Christians who are watching, I, they have the Holy Spirit. And I think we should pray that the spirit of truth will reveal the truth 
to the body of Christ as they watch this movie because he leads us into all truth. Yeah. Well, Mary, when I was on the plane ride home after being at the Missio conference with you and Ted, um, I, I texted you a verse. Um, yes. I just kept thinking about you on the other side of those meetings we had. And I, I brought this up before, but I think First Peter is one of, the, one of the most relevant books in the New Testament for the church today. In fact, if I was a pastor at a church, I would be doing a First Peter series. Mm. You know, he, he writes to exiles who are suffering for their faith in you know, varying degrees. Some are being maligned, slandered. Some are being beaten and killed. And he says to them in First Peter 4, and this is a verse I sent you, don't be surprised. Mm -hmm. at the fiery trial that has come your way. And, and then he unpacks how we should respond. Um, and I, again, I think it starts with not being surprised. What we've experienced in the prosperous West and you know, primarily in the church in America is a season of unprecedented you know, years where it's been favorable or advantageous to identify as a Christian. Well, those days are going away and they're gone. Um, Ed Stetzer brought that up with his plenary. You know, he, it's going to get tough. He wasn't gloom and doom. He has great hope for the church, but he talked about the difficulties um, associated with following, loving Jesus, you know, being a convictional Christian. Those things are rising, not going down. And I just think it's helpful to hear Peter and to settle it in our hearts. Don't be surprised. This is normal Christianity. Um, this is not our home. And then I love in that passage, he talks about overflowing in good deeds so we respond to the blowback and the pushback by not being ashamed of the gospel, by not returning reviling with reviling, and, and we entrust our souls to our creator is what Peter says. And then Mary, you, you sent a verse to me, um, I don't know if it was before or after, but First Peter 3.15, um, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that lies within you, but do it with gentleness and respect. Well, what occasion would cause people to ask us about the hope that we have? Mm -hmm. It would be us not being surprised. It would be us doing good deeds, um, entrusting ourselves to God and rejoicing. And then people will ask. So I guess I want to say something that you both have already said. This is an opportunity for the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an opportunity to testify and it won't be by getting combative with Disney or National Geographic. You know, it's going to be done by focusing on Jesus and having this beauty of life in response to the suffering, the malignment, all those things that makes people say, where'd you get your hope from? You know, where'd you get your hope from? So that, that's my kind of thought. It's what you said, both of you go back to the word, you know, be prepared. I'm going to take it back off the spiritual track for a second here, but if you study the history of this topic, particularly uncontacted tribes, uh, there's, there's lots to learn. For example, there's a famous tribe in South America that missionaries were contacting and an anthropologist actually from right here in my backyard, University of Central Florida, for decades rallied against missionaries influencing this people group. They should be left alone. They should be untouched. The same kind of argument I'm sure we're gonna hear in the movie. Meanwhile, he's a pedophile and he's raping the little boys in the tribe. There are many stories about mm -hmm. how this has played out in the past. Hundreds and hundreds of stories of contact that's been made. 
And there's been good results and there's been bad results. One of our responses also needs to be some somber self-reflection about the negative things that have happened through missionaries. And there has been association between the missionary movement and colonialism. We also have to be able to own when those mistakes were made. But let's not just be, uh, let's just not take the side that the, the secular world wants us to hear here. These are very complicated stories and there's plenty more history that could be discussed and talked about than what you're gonna see in this one movie. Well, given the gravity of this uh, conversation and just what's coming, I, I thought we should close in prayer. And Mary, maybe you would do that for us. Okay. Well, Father, we we just come before you and we just say we love you. And um, I wouldn't know where I would be in life without you. And... Um, I just thank you that that everywhere you are moving, you're setting people free, you're healing them, you're transforming their lives, uh, you're giving them a new beginning where there was no hope. And we just we just thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just ask as um, as this movie is launched in theaters, and um, Lord, we we ask that Your Holy Spirit, who's the Spirit of Truth, would just um, just stir in our heart and lead us into all truth. And Lord, we just ask that You Yourself sovereignly will use this movie. Uh, to glorify your name. And Lord, I ask for many um, to come to know you and how wonderful you are. And Lord, because I work in the mission world, I I know all over the world, you're revealing yourself in the Muslim world through dreams and vision. And so I ask that for those who come and watch this movie, that you will reveal yourself to them personally in dream and vision, that they will encounter Jesus Christ, the living God, mm -hmm. uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, before we go, um, Mary, if there's somebody out there listening, and maybe God's been leading them to consider uh, overseas service, cross-cultural service. How would they find out about uh, All Nations? We have a website. It is uh, allnations.international. And uh, you can get on the website. There's a contact form. We're very good about responding. And yeah. Thank you for being with us, Mary. Thank you. Before you go, be sure to like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. The Mission Matters Podcast is a partnership of 1615 and Missio Nexus. Check out 1615.org and missionexus.org for more resources on the mission of God and the matters of the mission. The Mission Matters Podcast is hosted by Matthew Ellison, President of 1615, and Ted Essler, President of Missio Nexus.